Matthew chapter 11, from the message translation, we're going to read the last couple verses here. Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? That's a good question. Come to me, Jesus says. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Isn't that beautiful? Amen. Luke chapter 15, and I'm just going to start reading at verse 25. Now his older brother was in the field, and as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, your brother has come, and because he has received him safe and sound, your father has killed the fatted calf. The Bible says he was angry, would not go in. Therefore, his father came out and pleaded with him. So he answered and said to his father, Lo, these many years I've been serving you. I never transgressed your commandment at any time, and yet you never gave me a young goat that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as this son of yours, it's like when my wife says, Your kids aren't listening. (laughs) As soon as this son of yours, who has devoured your livelihood with harlots, you killed the fatted calf for him. Last two verses. And he said to him, son, you're always with me and all I have is yours. It was right that we should make merry and be glad for your brother was dead and is alive again and was lost and is found. Amen. Father, thank you for this morning. Your people are just so amazing. Your spirit is so present with us. We thank you, Lord, for the divine precipitation of heaven in this room. We thank you for the series where we celebrate and honor and receive and reflect on the amazing grace of God. Your grace is still amazing. Your blood is ever flowing and ever cleansing. And we could talk about grace for all eternity and we would just be getting started in the depths of this endless ocean of your love. And Father, I pray for revelation, for the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of Jesus. As we dive into the scriptures, I pray, Lord, that it would just give us a great revelation of your love and who you are. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Would you shout out amen with me? Amen. Amen. I love the opening text where the Bible says in the message translation to learn the unforced rhythms of grace. First thing I think about when I think about rhythms of grace is I think about the ocean. I don't know about you, but I love the ocean. Who loves the ocean? Now, there's something about certain types of oceans, you know, like when you go to the Caribbean, it's like a whole nother world of this blue-green water. It's incredible. The Pacific is a little deeper blue, but the waves crash in really heavy. I remember as a young man going to uh, somewhere on the West Coast, I believe my dad and I were around Santa Monica Beach or somewhere over there, 
And, and I just remember the awe-inspiring in my, just the butterflies in my belly just by looking at the ocean and the sound of those waves crashing in. And it was just like, wait, here they come again. And there was something about that where, you know, when we look in creation, how many know you can look in creation and some of you are like this and I think it's beautiful. And, and I think all of us to a degree can kind of like tune into, uh, you know, being near or the reality or aware of God's presence when we're out in nature. But sometimes when you, and if you're like this, you're going to get what I'm saying. Like when you go out into a remote place, whether it's, you know, walking on a trail somewhere, hiking or um, like Watkins Glen. Oh man, what a beautiful, the Finger Lakes are just beautiful, incredible, especially right now when they're not ice and snowy. Come on, somebody. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. You walk through and the, and the waterfalls are coming down. And I, I don't know about you, but I like to walk through uh, areas like that and just kind of think about, man, God, you're closer than the air that I breathe. And, and as soon as I posture my heart to that place, it's like I am aligning my heart with the rhythms of his grace. Amen. And then there's times where I think that, well, I'm only near God if I'm in church. How many know that's not true? Like we might experience God in church. We experience the divine precipitation of, of the corporate cloud when we worship together. There's a beauty to that. There's an honor. We should have a zeal and an honor for that. But how many know, no matter where you are, no matter where you go, he's with you. Amen. And I love the ocean. I love, uh, I love this series because we've been talking about the grace of God. And when I think about this verse and I think about the rhythms of his grace, there's something about aligning our hearts with this rhythm, this flow. And I feel like grace is like that. In fact, I, I see a, 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 a spiritual allegory, uh, and I think about in the natural how some folks don't have rhythm. <laughs> and I'm not here to make fun of you. No, actually, I am. <laughs> I, listen, this is just a metaphor, but how many know... There is a joy to seeing someone who has rhythm and can dance, right? But there's also a joy to seeing someone who doesn't have rhythm and can't dance. As a matter of fact, I think there's a greater joy in someone who doesn't have rhythm. I've been doing it since cell phones first had cameras. Back then, the video quality was not good. But I'm at a wedding. And some white dude, sorry, some dude gets up and starts dancing off beat and you got to pull your phones out and just send them the video though, because you can't just make fun of them, right? But I feel like it's the same thing with the grace of God. When you got it, you got it. Amen. When you get it, you get it. Amen. And sometimes we fight the rhythm of grace and, and the Bible just, we just read it's unforced. And that's what happens when we're out of sync with the grace of God, we're trying to find the rhythm outside of us. Instead of realizing that his grace is the, the, the very power and nature of his love that flows from the very essence of who God is as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And it, and it reaches us, it rains down upon us, and it does something so deep inside of us that our hearts begin to beat at a different rhythm. And, and I don't know about you, but for, for some reason, 
like there is this thing that happens when you, I, I'm reminded of a, a, a scene in a movie, which I, I'm not going to say what it is. Maybe the jerk, Steve Martin, some of you are too young to remember, but there was this point where he got rhythm and he was like, just moving. I feel like that's how grace is sometimes though. Like when you get it, you get it. And you just learn to posture your heart into this place where there's, you, John remembers the movie. Classic, man. Classic. If you've never seen it, don't go watch it. There's probably some bad things in it. But I, I, I've never seen it. I, <laughs> but grace is like a rhythm of the depths of his ocean. Grace is like the, the beat of a drum. And with every resounding beat, it's the heart of the Father to us. Saying, I love you. You're my child. I gave everything for you. I poured out my costly love for you. You can hear that rhythm in church the way we love one another. You can hear that rhythm when we weep with those who weep. You can hear that rhythm when we love the broken on the streets and give to the poor. You can hear that rhythm resound when you see a man and a woman who are married in a holy covenant love one another on their anniversary. Come on, somebody. You can see that rhythm the way a father or a mom loves their children. You can see that rhythm the way the church cares for the, the broken, the orphans, the widows. Come on, somebody. There is a sound. There is is a rhythm of the grace of God. And when we yield our hearts to it, bam, when you got it, you got it. Amen. When you got it, you got it. There is something called religious rhythmic disorder. And it's a disease. And it comes from our fallen humanity that's trying so hard so hard to be worthy of love. And the funny thing is, is we can't by merit deserve his love. We've all broken the law. We've all done horrible things. We're all imperfect. But the beautiful thing about grace is that he doesn't look at any of that. The rhythm of his love calls us in to dance with him. Yes. When I think about the story of the prodigal son, which, by the way, we're not talking about the son who's in the far country. I want to focus on the older brother just for a moment. I do want to say this, that when we, when we talk about the heart of the father, the love of God, the grace of God, I think it's so important that we, that we, we ask God to open our eyes to, to see the beauty of that, that love uh, all around us. And, and I, I don't mean this in like a secular, humanistic, weird way, but I will say this, a very simple understanding that every human being in the world is made in the image of God. And they're already adopted and they're already chosen. And our Abba, they have an Abba just like we do. Our Abba is waiting for them to, to, uh, to receive his love, his costly love. And I want to say this, that 
there are times that his love is manifested all around us and, and we might not see it. I was on the beach uh, in Cancun and we're just on vacation, family vacation. And I treasure those moments with my family. Sometimes you just need a good vacation. Sometimes you just need the Caribbean Ocean. Come on, somebody. Sometimes you just need an all-inclusive resort where they serve you food. Come on, somebody, on the ocean. And why am I talking like I'm Latino? I'm not, but that's how it feels when I'm there. I'm a part of it. It's like, it's who I am. That's what grace does. It changes your identity. You awaken to who you are. Order some ceviche. So I'm on the beach and enjoying, we're having a great time. And I saw this family and, and they looked Middle Eastern. Um, and I think the, the mom looked like the mom was wearing a head covering. It could have been a culture thing. They could have been Muslim. I don't know. But I was watching the interaction between the, the mom, the dad, and the children. And I saw tr an expression of Trinitarian love right there. Whether they were saved or not, there was a rhythm of grace happening right there. Like, when I talk about my kids, don't think, oh, here he goes, talking about his kids again. See the heart of the Father manifesting Amen. for you. The reason I, at times, will just stop and start praying for one of my kids or, or, or somebody else, but it's because the heart of the Father in me is beating for my children. And by the way, I would hope you'd want a pastor that actually loves his wife and kids. I would hope you'd understand that healthy ministry flows out of healthy marriage and family. I, man, I was sitting over looking at my son during worship. My heart just... He texts me. He's like, Dad, can I come pray with you guys before service? I'm like, are you kidding me? The, the, the love that I have for my kids, man, I can't contain it. I, my daughter up here leading worship, my spiritual son on the drums, spiritual daughter, Silvana, singing, you brought that, man. Lenny over here, come on, somebody. Christian singing his heart out, like all these, man, it's like God is so stinking good. And if we yield to the rhythm of his love and grace, we see it all around. I'm looking at my son and I'm like, I could not be more proud of him. And just imagine how the father feels about us. So capture that, like learn that there's a sound. Don't let it push you away. Let it draw you in because it's the rhythm of the heart of the father beating for you and I. Come on, somebody. Yes. So in Luke chapter 15, it's not just a story about a son who was wayward. It's a story about a compassionate father to two lost sons. A lot of, a lot of times we just look at the, the, the son who was wayward, and it's so good. There's a lot of rich stuff, and, and, but I, I don't want to talk about the, the, the one that demanded his inheritance and took off. I want to talk about the older son, because sometimes... We are the wayward son, and sometimes we're the older brother. Sometimes we're the one that hears the sound of music and dancing, and we're angered inside. Sometimes grace is so amazing, it's actually repulsive, because it scandalizes the fact that God can forgive sovereignly 
and we look at it as some sort of injustice. How can God forgive? How can God pour out such costly love? And sometimes, let me just say this, we forget where we came from. And as the people of God, may we realize that there are broken people out there that they don't need condemnation. They don't need us to push them away more with the wrong sound. They need the sound of love and grace welcoming them in to a community that will love them for who they are so they can become who they're created to be. Enough of the church looking at humanity saying, you're so jacked up, you're so broken. How about we believe God's amazing grace is for us and for the world around? And there are a lot of wayward sons out there, but there are also a lot of older brothers and sisters that are almost angered by the new sound of music and dancing in the Father's house. And his endless grace is like a rhythm. The word music is actually, the root word is the same word that Jesus mentions in Matthew 18, where he says, if two of you shall agree, it's where we get the word symphony. The older brother heard a symphony and it ticked him off. Why? Because his heart was like a hypocritical saint. His heart wasn't yielded to the rhythm of grace. He heard dancing. Part of that Greek word is where the early church formed the word perichoresis that describes the dance that the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit do in their relationship and union and love, the distinctness and the oneness of who God is. The perichoresis of God. So the the older brother, let's just jump into this. I'll, I'll point out a few things and then we'll try to land this ship, spaceship. It's not a plane because we're caught up in the third heaven. Okay. When it's a, like a bad sermon, I'll say plane. But when it's a good one, I'll say spaceship. I'm, I'm totally joking, guys. It's, it's just... He heard music and dancing. He heard music and dancing. Man, the costly love that was pouring out. Says he called one of his servants and asked... What is going on here? Verse 27, he said to him, your brother has come and because he has received him safe and sound, your father has killed the fatted calf. In the Greek, the term safe and sound can be paralleled in the Septuagint, which is the Bible that Jesus read, which was the Bible written in Greek. And the parallel word for that is not safe and sound, it's shalom. What the scripture is saying here in the text is that they are rejoicing because the father received the wayward son in shalom. In other words, the the rejoicing, the fatted calf was about the love that the father had displayed on his younger son. It was about honoring the father, not just receiving the son. But when we are in a disposition unyielded to the rhythm of grace, we see everything about us and them and them and us and I'm out here and they're in there. Hello? Hello, somebody. It's always an us and them thing and it's always like he has more than I do and I don't have enough and why does he get the favor and I don't? You know, we never talk about the, the older brother, but the older brother is usually the one that goes to church. 
the older brother sits on the front row right here and worships. That's, that's where I sit. <laughs> like, I've got to make sure that my heart, even though I'm in the house, that I'm not living lost. Like a wayward servant. Now, look at, he goes on. Man, this is incredible. Because he, the father, has received him in peace, your father killed the fatted calf, which, by the way, is a type of Jesus. Verse 28, but he was angry and would not go in. Can I just tell you, don't, let's never be that guy or that gal. When there's a sound that is distinct and we're not sure about it, let's hear the heartbeat of the father in it. And come into the house. Come into the house. Come into the loving care of the Father. Now, in this moment, contextually, it says that he answered and said to his father, Lo, these many years I've been serving you. I never transgressed your commandment any time, yet you never gave me a young goat that I might make merry with my friends. He actually includes him, excludes himself from the family by mentioning with my friends. And he, he also disqualifies himself by calling himself a slave or servant when he's a son. We can be living in the house and still have an orphan mindset. We can be living in the far country and not know the love that the father has for us. Both the, the son, the younger son and the older son needed costly love to find themselves truly repenting and aligning their hearts with the rhythm of the love of the father. See, the repentance that happened in the far country for the younger son where he came to his senses, that's the repentance under the law. Most of us only know that repentance. Oh, this is, this is so good, man. Most of us repent in our own strength and ability, trying to get right with God. It's not going to last very long. But the repentance when the son was still a great way off and the father ran to meet him and kiss him and put his robe upon him, when the costly love of the father was poured out on the son, that was when the son truly repented. When we repent, we return to relationship. Remember, both with the younger son and the older brother, it wasn't about breaking the law. The younger son broke the law by betraying his father. The older son said, I've never broken the law. And the father's like, you cannot break the law or you can break the law and still have broken relationship with me. Come on, somebody. So rich. Why did he get angry? Why did he still have a servant mindset? Why did he exclude himself from what actually belonged to him. Then he goes out, he says, this son of yours. Again, we say that like, you know, why didn't he say my brother? Why didn't he say my brother? This son of yours. Let me push them out of my heart from actually being family. This isn't a hard word. This is a, this is a word to help us align with the rhythms of his grace. And then he goes on. I don't want to spend too much time here, but look, he says, uh, as soon as the son of yours came home, who has devoured your livelihood with harlots, you killed the fatted calf for him. Now, this is a strong accusation. And in this text, in the story, Jesus never said he did that. He said prodigal living. 
So now the son, the, the older brother is accusing him, which by the way, in this context, in the Near East, even to this day, those are not just fighting words. Those are like killing words. If you're going to accuse someone of something, whether they did it or not, you better have proof. But if you, if they didn't do it and you're accusing them, they, they literally could kill one another over it. Now this was a radical disgrace for the older brother to be angry and not go in in the midst of the celebration of honoring the costly love poured out upon the younger son. The whole community's there to honor the father. They didn't like the son. The son disrespected the father. But now the older brother's disrespecting the father just like the, the younger brother did. And again, it's not about breaking the law. It's about broken relationship. And grace aligns us back into union and relationship with God. And repentance doesn't happen when we conjure up enough strength to turn our lives to the Lord. It happens when we receive his amazing love and it, something happens on the inside of us and we come alive and we align with him. We yield to that costly love. At the end here, I cannot emphasize how powerful these last words are. And I pray as I read it, over you right now that we together would hear the heart of the Father for all of us. Verse 31, he said, so the Father comes out and pleads with him. He didn't have to do that. But Jesus is displaying a love of a father like no other. Son or daughter, he says, you are always with me and all I have is yours. Wow. He says, all I have is yours. He could have asked for a fatted calf anytime he wanted, but he never did. Why don't you ask the Lord for things like he's a good dad? He wants to give you the desire of your heart. It was right that we should make merry and be glad for your brother was dead and is alive and was lost and is found. There's a reason that it's passive in that last line. He doesn't, he says he was dead and was lost because in the writing, you don't say God. You don't say the name of God. How many know what I'm talking about in the Hebrew culture? But in the Aramaic and in, in Coptic, some of the earliest manuscripts, 1500 years old, it's not passive, it's active. It would actually say that I found him. He was lost and I found them. Where, where, did, where did the father find the son? Still a great way off at the edge of town. Why, why is that important? Because it's about the finding and the loving. And we realize that we're all in this thing together. We've all been the honest sinner and the hypocritical saint. We've all been to the place where we're born outside of this rhythm of grace and God is saying to us, behold, 1 John 3, 1, what love the Father has bestowed upon us, not just me, upon us, come on, that we, us, we should be called, what? Children of God. We're family. It's us. It's we. He has loved us and we together. And that's the rhythm of grace. And the rhythm of grace doesn't look what you got and what I got. And I got more than you got. I drive a nicer car than you drive. No, the rhythm of grace says, listen, we have been bestowed this endless love 
Come on, from all eternity that he has loved us and included us, and we've been the fo- we are the focus of his love together. And when we get that, there's no room for the hypocritical saint. There's no room for jockeying for position in church. Come on. There's no room for power, position, authority. Well, how come he's head usher? Come on, somebody. There's no room for any of that stuff in the culture of heaven. I just want to be a fly on the wall, man. I just want to be where God is. I don't have to have a title. It's not about a title. It's about function. Come on. I don't have to have a position. And the church for far too long has behaved like the older brother with religious politics and CEOs and bosses when we're supposed to be like family. Come on, somebody. With fathers and mothers. In fact, all the older generation here, we need you. You're The older shall teach the younger. And I honor who you are. And we're not trying to build a young congregation that is hogwash we need you because the older shall teach the younger we need moms and dads we need we need generational alignment god is the god of abraham isaac and jacob and we need we need a unity not only in the ethnos come on but we need a unity in the generations And when we receive his grace and we hear the sound, and matter of fact, it's interesting, in in context, in the Near East, there is a unique sound on the drum that was signified when there's a party going on. Can I just tell you right now, the older brother knew that. Why is this party going on? How come I wasn't invited? Well, you were out in the field slaving. You were out in the field acting like a servant. Come on. But there's a rhythm of grace that's calling us into the Father's house. We don't have to have animosity or anger in our heart. Listen, can I just tell you, I'm so honored. This is the day that marks three years that my wife and I have been here. Three years from the first Sunday that we had the honor and privilege to pastor this church. And guess what? We're breaking ground over here this week. Come on, somebody. I don't think you heard me, man. Like, I've got I've to get a crew. Actually, I need your help if you're not working tomorrow, 10 o'clock in this room. We've got to clear out a bunch of stuff because the plumber and the contractor are laying out the plumbing. They're grading the inside. And listen, we're not flying by the seat of our pants, dude. We got a loan. We raise money. Like, God is on this thing, and we're going to be done soon. Come on, somebody. And we made a bold, crazy, scandalous declaration that might have been like a resounding drum not like and it sounded like a clanging cymbal but it wasn't because there's been a lot of disappointment this building's been sitting here for a long time some of y'all been given to this building fund for centuries no i'm kidding 20 years <laughs> i was exaggerating but guess what but we've sown and now's the time to reap And here we are together worshiping on this beautiful sunday receiving the father's love together and guess what We're family. And God is moving in our midst. And may we, as the people of God, break free hmm, from religious rhythmic disorder. RRD. It's a disease. And we do not need to walk in it. And when we hear the sound of that drum that says, there's a party going on. And can I just tell you, religion killed the party. But guess what? The party's still going to happen, whether you join or not. And I just want to tell you, you're invited to the party. Join in. And there's love, and there's acceptance, and there's joy, and there's freedom, and there's cleansing.
and there's healing. And there's you telling me who I am and there's me telling you who you are and I can be known and you can be known and we can be known together. And guess what? We can all be wrapped up in the Father's arms. All right, I've preached long enough. I'm done. Father, help us to yield our hearts to your love. We get rid of the the been there, done that mentality. We're crossing the Jordan and, and you commanded the children of Israel. You'll know because you've never been there. You'll know where to go because you've never been there before. That sounds like a contradiction. How am I going to know where to go because I've never been there before? Because there's something about pursuing his presence. We step into the river with boldness. and We don't have this been there, done there, bought the t-shirt mentality. No, you haven't. And no, I haven't. And guess what? We're crossing the Jordan and there's some great things ahead of us. It doesn't mean it's going to be perfect, but God is going to do what he said he's going to do. And I don't know about you, but I'm all in. I'm so in, I don't know if this is appropriate to say, but the bank wanted me to sign as a guarantor on our construction loan. And I, without hesitation, signed it. They want to make sure I don't skip down. Come on, somebody. I signed it just like I told God yes over three years ago. When he said, I want you to sell everything and move across the country. This is the hardest decision I ever made, man. My heart aches every day. I think about my dad and you know I can't see him like I always did but I'm here and God's here and he's moving and he's assembling an army and it's been three years only three years and look what the Lord has done and I'm so glad you're here some of you knew some of you been here and God's forging an army of warring loving people that know his grace and that rhythm. So let's hear the sound of grace and let's dance together with him. Let's be merry. Let's celebrate and let's walk in a way where we are not repulsed by the symphony, but we are drawn in. We are pulled in by the rhythm of grace. Can you say amen?